0: range planning and one of the things that we've kind of put on on sort of the next couple of years is we'd love to continue to encourage our church here to both support missionaries around the world but perhaps to even go out as missionaries. I know God's put that on some of your hearts and listen listen it's not more important to go far away than it is to stay home and tell here. But God empowers us to do all those different things. And I just want to make sure that, that we all kind of keep our minds open, that it is a category that sometimes God calls regular people, even from around here, even people that live at Gap, to go and share the word of God with people who need to hear it. So that's just fun stuff. And I hope that you'll remember to pray for Leon and Naomi as they uh, spend some time in Ethiopia these next couple weeks, teaching leaders, church leaders especially, what it means to have a strong marriage, because marriages, as we know, marriages are difficult to keep healthy no matter what kind of job you're doing and no matter what kind of walk you have with the Lord. So please pray for Leanne and Naomi. Now, today, as we get into this sermon time, I want to invite you to open your Bibles, if you have them, to Luke chapter 7. We're continuing to walk through Luke, and and a big part of the reason for that is that um, we have our youth Bible quizzing program that's happening now in January, February, and March. And so the Bible quizzers and our youth are studying the gospel of Luke and learning what it says and, 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 and what is there in the text, and they're studying out of the English Standard Version. And so that's the version that we have on the screen. That's the version that I'm preaching from today. And so if any of the words just have a different sound to them than what you're used to, it's because we're reading from the ESV. But here today we're in Luke chapter 7, and we're going to see a little bit more about who Jesus is. There's some talk here about who John was. Many people know him as John the Baptist. And we're going to see how people responded to them. And so much of what I'm going to be challenging you with after we do this little bit of a study is how are you responding, reacting to Jesus? And so we're in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 18. It says, the disciples of John reported all these things to him. That may sound like an awkward spot to pick up the text. But what this is telling us is that there is John and his name is John. His title was the Baptist. So John the Baptist had disciples, Disciples were people who followed him so that he was their teacher. And so the disciples of John are reporting all these things about him. What are they reporting? Well, go home today after you have your Super Bowl meal. Or maybe tonight, if you're watching a game, there'll be a spot at halftime where there's going to be a show that you are probably not really going to need to check out. Maybe you want to read Luke chapters. I mean, nothing against Usher or any of the folks that are on there. But frankly, the show is not going to be worth your time. So maybe this evening, during that break, you have plenty of time between the second and the third quarter. Read Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 17. See what John's disciples were talking about. There's all kinds of miracles and amazing things that Jesus was doing. But the word is getting back to John. Do you remember John? His mother and Jesus' mother, Mary, they were related. Jesus and John are about the same age. They're within a couple months of each other. And Jesus and John would have had some kind of a relationship, a blood relationship to each other through their parents. We know that John is the one who was in his mother's womb, his mother Elizabeth. When Mary came to Elizabeth, as Elizabeth was pregnant with John, she said hello, and John jumped, leaped, in his mother's womb, that's, that's this John that we're talking about. And in the Gospel of Luke, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. This John was called by God to be an announcement for Jesus. It says in Luke chapter 3, verse 7, that John said to all the crowds who came out to be baptized him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? John was not a soft-spoken man. John was called by God to bring a powerful message to the people. And it says in in Luke 3, 15, all these people were in expectation and they were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. These people, when John began to teach as about 30 year old man, he began to teach people, loved hearing his teaching, even though he was pretty hardcore. And they're starting to wonder, is this the Christ? Is this the Messiah? Is this the one that we've been expecting? Is this the one that the whole Old Testament and all the prophets have been talking about? John 3 tells us that John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John, out in the wilderness, baptizing, people are drawn to him. He's giving harsh words to some of them saying, come on, shape up, don't be such a brood of vipers. But he says, I am not the Messiah. There is one coming, I'm not even worthy of untying his shoes. Matthew, in his Gospel, see Luke has, Luke has his account of what happened. In Matthew's account, he, he says that, that Jesus came to John To be baptized. And when John baptized Jesus, Matthew says that immediately Jesus went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. John would have been right there, having just baptized Jesus, and he would have seen all of this happen. John's been announcing Jesus. Now he baptizes Jesus. Now he is observing God blessing Jesus. This is the front row seat to history that John got to live through. But just because John was faithful did not mean that his life was easy here, even in his early thirties. And from Luke chapter three, verse 19, we know that Herod the Tetrarch, who was one of the most powerful government leaders in their area, Herod the Tetrarch who had been reproved by John for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that he had done, locked up John in prison. See, see, Herod married the wife of his brother, Philip, even though Philip was still alive. It was a big scandal. But Herod says, hey, I'm the governor. I'll do whatever I want. And John said, no, you shouldn't do this. This isn't right. And John challenged the government leader on all the other stuff that was wrong. And Herod had John locked up in prison. That's why now, as we pick up the story again in Luke chapter 7, John's disciples are reporting back to him in prison all of the stuff that Jesus is doing. John had been so close, but now he's separated and he's in this dungeon. But his disciples are going back and forth. Jesus is doing this. Jesus is doing that. And so John, this is verse 19 of Luke chapter 7. John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? This is John who knew the Old Testament. He knew the prophecies. He knew that God was going to send a Messiah. He knew that God was going to send a Savior. All the Jews had been waiting for this for centuries. John had been sent even to announce the Savior. John said that a Messiah is coming, and then he baptized Jesus. He heard and saw God bless him and speak to him, and yet John has this question, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? That seems like a strange question coming from John, doesn't it? I mean, if anybody should know who Jesus is, shouldn't it be John? Shouldn't John be in the loop? I mean, he's been preaching it. He's been announcing it. Different commentators have different ideas about why John might have had these doubts. Maybe, maybe Jesus' ministry didn't have the big fire that John expected. I mean, John's been preaching out in the desert boldly. John has been preaching the repentance of sins because of the coming judgment. But that's not what Jesus was doing at this point, was it? Jesus didn't come in with fire, judging people, casting people down and sending them to hell. That wasn't his message at that time, was it? What did he do? Well, he was healing. And he was telling people about God. And he was engaging with all kinds of people who weren't like the regular, perfect, churchy, religious kind of people. Maybe John had some doubts because... Jesus just didn't quite meet his expectations of what the Savior was going to do. I I don't know, That's, that's an idea that makes some sense to me because honestly, when you have unmet expectations in a person, doesn't it mess with your heart? Those of you who are, I guess, can we get a little personal? Those of you who are married, even when you love your husband and wife very much, when you have an expectation of them and they don't come through, what does that do? Doesn't that hit you a little bit? Sure it does. And here's John. Maybe he's just, uh, boy, I I really thought Jesus was, I really thought the Messiah was just going to just blow up the world. Are you the one who is to come? But think about John's situation a little bit more. We've gone through a little bit of history here, and we know that at this time it's very likely and seems to be the case that, that John is in prison Maybe he's in a low place personally, because think about what he's been doing. Here is John, who for his whole life has been out in the wilderness preparing to be God's messenger. Here is John, who from the time he was born, his parents knew that he was special because God had spoken to his father, Zechariah, and to his mother, Elizabeth. They said, your son is going to be a herald for the king. Your son shouldn't have any wine or strong drink, keep himself pure. And in fact, John grew up out in the desert. What's it say? He had a shirt of camel's hair and and he ate locusts and wild honey. This is a guy who lived a sparse life, committed to God, preparing himself to be a messenger for Jesus for 30 years. And now he's been put in jail because of what he's been doing for Jesus. John's life has been totally dedicated to God. And he knows that God can do anything, and yet Jesus is not coming through and doing everything. What do you do with a God who can do anything but who doesn't do everything? This is the kind of dilemma that is behind so many of the high-profile Christians who end up walking away from and denying their faith you've seen some of these stories in the last couple years, haven't you? Whether they're, whether they're music artists or whether they're preachers or just high profile writers that that did amazing things. It seemed for the kingdom, they wrote books and songs and stories and, and they were preaching and teaching. And then suddenly they, they come out and say, I don't believe any of it anymore. I don't buy it. I don't think God exists. Why does that happen? You've asked these questions, right? So many times what's happening with those folks is that there's some kind of a personal challenge. There's some kind of a personal despair. A wife gets sick. A child gets sick. Things are difficult. And it's hard for people to come to terms with the fact that we can live our entire lives serving God, sacrificing, giving up all the stuff that it seems to come so easily for all the other people. And yet God doesn't just roll out the red carpet and say, here, here. Have a nice life. Sometimes, even when you are serving God with all of your heart, life is hard. Amen? Seems like a hard thing to say amen to, doesn't it? But you get this. I get this. Do you think John might have been thinking that? Oh, I've been serving God my whole life. Oh, the things that I've given up on. But I've held on to Jesus. Jesus. I've held on to the Savior. I've kept the faith. I even spoke up when it was embarrassing and hard and difficult, but I spoke up for Jesus and I've been put in jail. Jesus, with his word, if he's the Messiah, could get me out of this place. And yet here I sit, having to hear about the miracles from a couple of my students. Would that make you ask, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the one who is to come? Or, Or do we need to look for somebody else? Wouldn't you want to be sure? See, here in these moments, John teaches us. He goes right to Jesus and asks him. This is why it says in Luke seven twenty, when the men, that is John's disciples, when they came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, are you the one who is to come or should we look for somebody else? Right, John, who's sitting in jail, who, who has these doubts. We don't exactly know why, but I think we can relate. John sends his disciples, ask Jesus, is he the one? And look how Jesus responds. Do any of you have cousins? Most of you do. How do you talk to them? Especially the ones that you really like. Laughter. Any of you ever make fun of your cousins? Any of you ever have honest conversations with your cousins that are maybe a little bit more sharp? And some of the conversations that you would have with others, Brandon, you've never done that. Of course not. That's one of the fun things about my cousins is that even if we only see each other once or twice a year, when we get back together, we can talk and we can go at it and we can argue because they're my cousins. What are they going to do? Like, John and Jesus weren't exactly first cousins. That's not, but they are related. They've known each other for a while. And here John's disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for somebody else? And Jesus could have just laid it right down. Yeah, come on, John, don't be so dumb. Look, look, John, pull yourself together, man. No, look at how Jesus responds. John has this honest question, this deep wrenching question. Are you the savior? And it says in Luke 721 that in that hour, Meaning at that time, while these disciples of John were there, Jesus healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. Does that sound like echoes of the Isaiah 35 passage that Anthony read this morning? About who the Savior would be and how God was going to work? Sure it does. And John would have picked up these echoes if he heard Jesus speaking. But in that hour, Jesus healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. On many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And Jesus answered them. He said, Go tell John what you've seen and heard. Go tell John that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. He says, You go ahead and you tell John about all these things that are happening. As we continue on in Luke 7:22, we see that the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. The poor have the good news preached to them. Jesus doesn't mock John. Jesus doesn't mock this one he was so close with. Jesus doesn't call him any number of names or put him down. Jesus simply says to the disciples, go tell John what you see. Go tell John what's really going on here. And I would challenge you, church, If you ever have doubts about who Jesus is, you may not have disciples that you can send out to some guy and say, are you really Jesus? That's not the reality of the world that we're living in right now, is it? But I would challenge you. If you have doubts about Jesus, just go to him directly in prayer. We can see by the way that Jesus responds to John's disciples. Jesus isn't going to be harsh with people. Jesus isn't going to put you down. If you have questions, just talk to Jesus and ask him your questions. One of the things that I have experienced and that we've learned and taught here at church is that when we pray, God hears us. And when we ask God questions, sometimes God speaks to us. He'll speak to us through his word. He'll speak to us in our hearts. Sometimes we'll, we'll be able to sort of hear a direction from God from the people around us. I can't guarantee you that you're going to hear God's voice every time you ask a question. But church, let me encourage you, if any of you are not sure, If you're not sure about Jesus or if you're not sure what Jesus is doing in this situation, you're finding yourself in jail, locked up, persecuted, as low as you could be. Talk to Jesus and ask him for his interpretation. Jesus, what's going on here? Jesus, who are you? Jesus, who am I? These are things that you can just say to God and God hears us. Jesus hears us. And church, I think if you'll come to God in faith, you'll be shocked at the things that you might hear, the truth that will be revealed to you and shown to you. Is there anybody that can say amen to that? Have any of you ever heard something from the Lord that just let you know, okay, things are a mess and I'm still in jail, but I'm all right right now. See, that's what faith can do. That's what God can do. And this is how Jesus is responding to John. Jesus didn't go to John's prison cell and and knock down the walls and, and drag him out. We know that very soon after this, John was actually beheaded. He was killed. And not by like a good guy with good reasons, by the same terrible Herod who put him in jail, who watched his daughter do this terrible dance. Terrible story. But Jesus says, go tell John what you see. And then verse 23, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. What is Jesus saying to John there? He's saying, John, you'll be blessed if you don't get offended that I'm not arriving the way you thought I would arrive. John, you'll be blessed if you don't get offended at me just because I don't come through the way that you're hoping I come through. John, John believe in me because of what's going on, not just because I've delivered you from prison. Do you see the challenge here in the interplay between Jesus and John? John says, are you the Messiah? Jesus says, in not so many words, he says, yeah, look at what I'm doing. I'm doing all the stuff the Messiah was going to do. And don't be offended because even though you're expecting big judgment and perfect justice right now, he says, don't be offended about that. Just stick with me. We're told in Luke 7, 24, that when John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. And this is what Jesus said to them. This is what Jesus said to the crowds. He said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? He's talking about when all the people went out to see John, when John was preaching out in the wilderness. He said, what did you go out to see? A reed shaken by the wind? No. What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? And by the way, if any of you want to do some, some fun Bible language background stuff, that whole soft clothing thing, that, that's not just like, wow, the, the really expensive shirt at the end of the road. This is like kind of like the effeminate around the court trying to kiss up to everybody kind of clothing. He says, is that what you went out to see? behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and who live in luxury or are in king's courts, Jesus says to the followers around him, he says, so what did you go out to see when you went out to see John, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, when you saw John, you saw a prophet and not only that, you saw more than a prophet because John is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And in Luke seven twenty-eight, Jesus says to the people around him, I tell you, Among those born of women, none is greater than John. Jesus is lifting him up. Jesus loves him. He says, you didn't go out to see some preacher who just sways in the wind. No, you saw somebody who brought the word. You didn't go out to see just somebody softly and and coyly telling people what they wanted to hear. No, you heard somebody who told you the truth. That's why you were drawn to him. That was John. And there was nobody born of women greater than John. But Jesus didn't rush off and take him out of prison, did he? See, you can be loved by Jesus, saved by Jesus, blessed by Jesus, and honored by Jesus, and still be in jail. Some of you need to remember that so that you can continue to hang on where you are right now. Just because things are hard doesn't mean that Jesus is ignoring you or turning his back on you. Sometimes things are just hard. And Jesus knew that too because within a matter of years, he's going to hang on a cross and die at the hands of the government. In his early 30s, despite the fact that he was perfect, he knows suffering. And through this story with John, we can see that even when we serve God with all our hearts, sometimes it hurts But it's worth the ride. It is worth the sacrifice because this is true and this is real and this is the only way to life. Jesus says, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. And then the end of the sentence, Jesus says to the crowd around him, yet, great as John is, yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of God Is greater than He. Now, if you're a believer here today, you're in the kingdom of God. Think for a minute about what we know that John didn't know yet. When John was in prison yet there, Jesus had not yet died on the cross. Jesus had not yet risen from the grave. Jesus had not yet defeated death and Satan in that way. Jesus had not yet ascended into heaven where he sits at God's right hand and prepares a place for us. We know things about Jesus that John could only suppose. And Jesus says, this is why. The least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. It's not because John's a bad guy and, and we're all good guys. It's because of what we've seen and what we know. It's because of the Savior who, who is an actuality for us and not just somebody that we have to ask about like John did. And it says in Luke seven twenty nine as we continue on with this story, it says, when all the people heard this and the tax collectors too, they declared God just having been baptized with the baptism of John. They they bought John's message, and when they heard Jesus, they said, yes, this is right. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by Jesus. In other words, all this stuff Jesus is talking about, all the interplay with Jesus and John, some people were all in, and others said, not for me. That's why Jesus says in Luke 7, 31, as he continues the story, to what then shall I compare the people of this generation and what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you didn't weep. Here's the picture, because that's kind of an odd saying, right? What do little kids do when they play? Little kids, they imitate the stuff around them, right? Right? Do any of you know little boys who play with tractors and trucks because all day long they see the tractors and trucks going by? Do any of you know little girls who play, play house and play with babies and dolls because they see mom holding the little sister and they want to do that too? Isn't that how kids are? When they get together, what are they? they play house and they play school. Maybe they play church because that's where they are. That's what they see, and they, they play that. Jesus here is talking about kids who are out in the marketplace, which is a big, wide-open place in the middle of town. This is where the kids would have hung out. And they're playing, they're playing wedding, and they're playing funeral because the weddings and the funerals in these days, these are the big deals. And the kids are saying, we played a flute like at a wedding, but you didn't play along, you didn't dance. Listen, we sang a dirge, a sad song, like at a funeral, and you didn't weep. The, the, Jesus says the people of his generation are just like when the kids, when the kids are playing, but some don't want to participate. Why won't you play along? Why won't you engage? Jesus says, this is what some of the people of my time are like. Why? How do we see this? How do we know that this is a good interpretation? Look at verse 33 of Luke chapter 7. Jesus continues says, John the Baptist came eating no bread and drinking no wine. You say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. Jesus is talking about himself here. I, I come eating and drinking. John he didn't, he didn't eat bread, he didn't drink wine, Locusts and wild honey. He has a demon. The Son of Man, I come, I'm eating and drinking He say, "Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus says, "I sing you a happy song, you don't want to dance." We sing you a sad song. All you do is say that we have demons. Jesus says, you're never satisfied. He says, John came. Nobody wants to believe in him. The Pharisees' lawyers rejected the whole thing. He says, I came totally different. Different expressions of the same truth. And yet people say, I don't want that either. Why? Well, because people are dumb. Jesus says here, what do you want from me? I'm offering you life. I'm showing you. I'm showing you what eternity can be and you just don't want it. And that's a lesson for you and me, right? I mean, some people just don't want it. Some people just don't want the truth that you and I and so many of us in here have found to be the basis of our lives. Hey, let me do a little experiment. Okay. I'm not going to embarrass anybody and I'm not going to call you out. But if you have ever gone to a video store to rent a movie, stand up. If you've ever... In your whole life, going to a video store to rent a movie, stand up. Okay, okay. If you're over the age of 50, sit down. If you're over 50, okay, if you're over 40, sit down. Just a little experiment here, okay? If, if you are older than 35, sit down. If you're older than 35, sit down. All right, we're fig- if you're older than 30, sit down. I'm just very curious here. All right, in our room of what do we have? 250 people here. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of you, who are you're under the age of 30 and you've been to a video store to rent a movie. Okay, if you're 29, sit down. 28. If you're 27, sit down. 26. 25. 24. Sit down. <sighs> How old are you today? 23. And have you been to a video store to rent a video? You have. And how old are you? Eight, 9 You're nine. So we have one person under the age of 23 who's ever been to a video store to rent a movie. What movie did you rent, by the way? Oh, like, like a Lego Star Wars movie. That Sounds like a good one. All right. I remember, and this is one of those Jesse is old kind of stories. But I remember, I remember being in middle school and high school, even up through when Melanie and I were dating, and even the early years of our marriage, Friday night, Saturday night, often going to Solanco Video in Quarryville. And maybe we'd pick up a pizza at Two Cousins Pizza, but we'd go over to Solanco Video. And, and for all of you who are not blessed to know what the Star Wars Lego movie is like from a video store, for, for all of you young ones, this is what it was like. You would go to a store, and they would have, they would have all the... If it was video cassettes or DVDs, they'd, they'd have them all up on the wall, like the actual DVD. This was at least that Slango video. And, they'd have, and, and you would go, and, and if it was there, you could take it, and you would go to a counter where there was a, per- see, a person was there. There was a cash register and a person. And if you gave them $2, you could have that DVD or that movie. You could take it home for one night or two nights, depending on how popular it was. And then if it was a video cassette, you'd have to rewind it and take it back to the store in two days or else they'd start charging you more. Many a Saturday night, Friday night, me and my buddies or friends. We'd go to the store. Sometimes if I was really stuck, me and my family would go to the video store (laughs) and we'd look for videos. And and of of all you old folks who have ever been to the video store, did any of you ever spend more time looking for a movie than you actually spent watching the movie? (laughs) No, Claire and Danella, we went in, we got what we wanted. We were out of there. God bless you. You know what you want. Now, now this is something that maybe those of you in the Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and all that generation can understand, just the same way us old people do at the video store. It is hard if you've got a group of people to figure out something to watch, isn't it? Any of you parents, you have some kids in the house, and, boy, we'd love to watch a movie tonight. What about this one? That looks dumb. What about this one? I've already seen it. What about this one? No, that looks like it's going to be to this or to that. It's it's interesting to me, it's interesting to me, whether you're of the video store generation or the streaming service generation, it's interesting to me that we can get so picky and so selfish and so short-sighted as we make decisions about all the options in front of us. It happens at the movie store, and Jesus is telling these people, maybe this is a stretch, but this is just how it strikes me. Jesus is telling these people, he says, look, some of you saw John and just how austere and simple he was, and you thought he was a demon-possessed man. And now you see me, and you see that I'm I'm eating and drinking and feasting and having a good time, and, and you say that I'm a big problem too. And he says, this is one of the problems with people is that we can't see things for how they are and we certainly can't get along with things that we just don't like. He said too often ourselves get in the way and he's challenging these people here in the time of John. He's saying you are letting yourselves get in the way instead of accepting me as a savior, instead of listening to the words that John preaches. He says too many of you have your own agendas and instead of really finding life and joy together, you're being stubborn and dying on your own. Jesus says, basically, he says, he says, we can't win with you. John's a teetotaler, never had any wine. Jesus says, I make the best wine that anybody's ever had. And you're still not happy. This is how so many people are, but not all. Not all people reject him. This is why Jesus wraps up this whole story with verse 35. He says, wisdom is justified by all her children. What does that mean? Wisdom is justified by all her children. Wisdom is a right way of thinking about things. Wisdom is a gift from God that allows you to see the truth and discern right from wrong. And Jesus says, those who can see me for who I am, those who can see the truth and who can see the Lord for who God is, those who will follow are all a testimony to the truth. All the children of wisdom show that it's right. Jesus says there are many who mock. There are many who want out. But but he says the truth is shown by the fact that there are still some who follow. Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. And here we are today. You and I, and I know we're at different places. Some of you are all in with Jesus and you have been for a long time. Some of you still don't know. You're not sure. And a few of you have even said, no, I don't like it at all. I'm just here because this person beside me wants me here. But we're sitting here today talking about Jesus, which indicates to me that this little saying is true. Wisdom is justified by all her children. We can see that the truth is real because it still endures. We know that God is real because he still speaks. And our Lord, our Savior, is still calling out to you saying, would you just come and give your life to me? Put your hope in me. Find truth in me. This is the invitation of Jesus. And this is what Luke is writing about. As he tells us about all these disciples asking Jesus, who are you really? Jesus says, well, just look. The blind see. The deaf hear. The mute speak. The lame jump for joy. That's the kind of stuff that Jesus can do. That's the kind of stuff that in eternity Jesus will do. Can you hold on in faith until we see this all work out? Trusting that Jesus is who he says he is. That's the challenge. That's the invitation. And that's my hope for us today. Is whether you feel like you are down in the dungeon or whether you feel like you are on top of the mountain, that you will continue to put your hope in Jesus, knowing that as we ride this ride here on earth, things will eventually be perfect in heaven. That's the promise of Jesus. Strength for today and great hope for tomorrow. Will you pray with me, church? Lord, we lift up our brother and sister, Leon and Naomi, as their hope in you has driven them even to Ethiopia. Lord, help them to share your truth and share it well. And Lord, today we pray for ourselves too. I pray for those here in the room who who have known you for a long time, who are living and walking close to you. Lord, continue to give them strength that they may finish well. Lord, there are brothers and sisters in this room right now who have deep faith in you, but their circumstances are rotten. Life is not what they wished or what they hoped or what they would choose. Lord, there are trials that we go through and sometimes we don't understand them. Would you please, and by your Holy Spirit, give strength and faith to those who believe in you but are struggling with joy? Lord, would you please help? Lord, there are some of us in this room right now who don't know much about you and frankly don't believe in you at all, but we're doing really well. Lord, would you help us not to be distracted by our blessings, but instead come to a realization of the truth that we need you? And Lord, there are some in this room right now who just don't quite know what to think. This Jesus thing and the Bible thing is hard to sort out. Life and the challenges and the ups and downs outside of church are hard to sort out. I pray for all of my friends in this room and all who are listening online, Lord, I pray that you would move in them so that they take a moment to stop and ask you who you are. Are you the Lord? Are you love? Are you life? And, Lord, I pray for my friends that as they cry out to you, the way John cried out to Jesus, I pray that you would answer with whatever it is that they need to hear so that faith would be stoked, that salvation would be real and lives would be changed. Lord, this is our prayer. We know you can do it. Lord, I ask that you would. I ask in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Amen.